Redditors who spend a lot of time in seclusion, at sea, in the air or out in the wilderness, what's the creepiest or most mysterious thing you've seen, found or experienced? Story 1. Lived in Germany for many years while my father was stationed there. US Army. We lived off base in private housing and I loved it. That country is amazing. The vast forests, the mountains, the countryside, the farmlands, the little towns, everything. I quickly became really good friends with some local boys whose parents owned the town's dairy farm. We were always in the forests running around and exploring, fishing, playing army, etc. I was around 8 or 9 years old around that time. 37 now. One night, stayed late at the farm hanging with the guys. Left about 9 or 10ish, it was dark, but then moonlight gave pretty good vision that night I remember. I lived just across the soccer field and a small cornfield from the farm. As I'm walking through the soccer field I see a bit of movement, just real quick, from the corner of my eye along the tree line at the edge of the field. I quickly step up my pace, as I turn to take my usual path through the cornfield to my house. I see at least half a dozen silhouette figures emerge from each side of the rows of corn on the sides of the path. I froze so hard, they just stand there, then there's one behind me. Before I can snap around and haul ass, he asked, in German, where I was going. I turn around now and what I see surprises, but relieves me also. I answered in English and told him I was heading home. He was then curious about my English. Turns out it was a team of special forces operators. I mean, these guys were decked out in so much tactical gear I couldn't comprehend how they were able to move so stealthily. Night vision goggles, packs, bags, weapons. There was even a dog. They looked like total fucking badasses, who were using these small towns off base to do some training. I just happened upon them this particular night. I'll never understand why they chose to break cover and show themselves. They could have easily just stayed put and I would have walked right by them none then wiser. They walked me home as it was on their way back they said. Started off creepy for me, but it was actually pretty cool. An experience I will never forget that's always stuck with me. Cheers. Story 2. From May, 2010, to May, 2011. I worked as a security guard at a hydroelectric dam in Virginia. It was a fairly isolated location. If you needed an ambulance, you could expect at least a 20 minute wait. About a month after I was hired, one of the guys at the dam told me that most security guards out there quit after a few days because they got so creeped out being alone at the dam at night, and he was glad I was sticking it out. In truth, it could be creepy. Sometimes at night, when I was patrolling the basement level of the dam itself, I'd think about the fact that I was 50 feet below the water line on the low side, the only human being in about a mile and a half radius. Sometimes I'd hear weird noises in the woods, or catch a flash of a shadow while I was inside the dam. It takes a lot to scare me, though, and I knew I was either hearing critters in the woods or my mind was playing tricks on me. One night, however, something happened that scared the living hell out of me. It was a little after 11pm, and I was sitting in the guardhouse reading a book. Suddenly, I heard a tap at the door. What was creepy about the guardhouse at night was that when you had the lamp inside turned on, people could look through the windows at you, but the glare made it difficult for you to see outside. When I heard the tap at the door, I thought it was a bug hitting the glass. It was so faint, and I knew there weren't any contractors at the dam. I had the place to myself. Then the tap came again, more insistent this time. 
I grabbed my flashlight and opened the door. There was no one there. Then I let the door slip from my hand and shut behind me. To my left, previously concealed by the door as I had opened it, was a huge man, at least 400 pounds, wearing a grey sweatshirt and grey sweatpants. The sweatshirt was smeared with fresh blood. My heart started hammering. My blood ran cold. I was so scared I couldn't speak. As it turns out, he was a local fisherman who had been fishing off the bridge over the tail race and he was wondering why the power company hadn't started back pumping into the lake yet. Because they usually started a little before 11 and that was what always drew in the big striped bass. He was smeared with blood because he'd already caught and gutted a couple and wiped his hands on his shirt. He felt really bad when he realized that he had approached me basically in the same way that a murderer in a horror movie would have. I am thankful to this day that I was unarmed security, because if I'd had a gun, I would have either shot him or accidentally shot myself while trying to shoot him. Story 3. 15 years ago I went camping with two school friends in bushland that backed onto my dad's property in Warri Yalloc, Australia. My dad didn't spend much time at the house but said we could use it as a base to dump any gear we might not need. He also gave me a heads up that he might creep up to our campsite that night and scare the guys I was with. We hiked from the house for about 4 hours through very dense bush, where we found a clearing and decided to set up our camp. Looking around the place for firewood, we kept turning up a lot of old bones some so old they almost looked like wood. We concluded that due to the land once being used for farming it was likely they were cow bones. We came up with a few more theories for the sake of scaring each other then built our fire, even burning a couple of the wood like bones just to see what would happen and settled in. I was woken up by one of my buddies at about 1am who said he swears he saw a torchlight on the tent wall. Excellent I thought. We sat in silence for a few minutes before the light came back. This was great. I really hammed it up, making up stories about murders in the area and escaped prisoners. The light from the torch fixed on our tent then switched off. We could hear leaves and sticks moving around outside and my buddies were on the verge of tears. Then we started hearing whispering outside, as well as some low mumbling. Dad had brought some friends in on the prank, dedicated. The torch light came back on and pressed right up to the tent wall, and a hand began tapping across the top while the whispering continued. My dad had brought some friends in on the prank and convinced them to walk 4 hours through dense scrub in the middle of the night just to shine a torch on our tent. I started to panic. Then it just stopped completely. About an hour after it began, we sat in total silence aside from the sobbing of my buddies. And at dawn packed up and got the fuck out. We got back to the house and dad was there. He apologized and said he'd planned to come out and see us last night but fell asleep at his girlfriend's house. We told him about what happened and he was genuinely dumbfounded. Interestingly, I went back to the spot a couple of years ago after telling this story to a friend. We found a small shack made of corrugated iron pockmarked with bullet holes, a 44 gallon drum full of burned clothes, a pile of firewood, and two axes. Who knows if it's related, but it was fucking creepy. Story 4. This summer I was out in the dark canyon wilderness of Utah. After two weeks of driving and backpacking around the country alone, the plan was a 7 day trip and after a few days of setbacks I was on my last night. By this time I was already a little scared of the dark but that's just what happens when you are your only company for 3 weeks. Anyway on the 6th day I found an awesome elk antler and put it on my shoulders about a mile into the day's hike. 
As anyone who has poorly packed a pack will attest just slapping 15 pounds on the top of your pack is a bad idea. About halfway through my planned death march my hip was getting sore and I blew through my water. I decided that I would stop early and get some water. Luckily I found a few puddles in a dryish riverbed and made camp. I started boiling some water when it struck me. If there's skanky water here there may be good water upstream. So up I went upstream. Just as the canyon boxed out a little spring filled the bed with deliciously cold refreshing water. I drank on my hands and knees before realizing I didn't bring my water bottles. Whatever I hiked the half mile or so back to the camp and grabbed them. This is where it gets weird. On my trip back up I kept feeling really vulnerable and uncomfortable. Every little rustle in the bushes set me off. I could hear birds calling in the distance that set me off. I kept looking for something following me. I can only describe my emotion as pure terror. It got to the point where I picked up a branch and the just in case a cougar tried to attack me. I still kept telling myself that it was just paranoia and I'm fine but I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched. I finally got to the water and filled up my camelback and bottle. Constantly looking over my shoulder. The feeling of unease was still with me when I headed back down the gulch. There I came upon a fresh mountain lion print placed directly between two that I made on the way up. It's one thing to think that your fears are unfounded paranoia. It's much much worse to know they are true. Story 5. My wife, my daughter and I joined our troop for a Cub Scout Halloween event at a Boy Scout camp in Colorado. It's a large hilly area tucked away in the canyons. There are lots of campsites up the hill but further down the road are some cabins. We were allowed to stay there for the night since it's more comfortable than tents. Well these cabins are about a one stroke four mile away from any of the other buildings or tent areas. So we are nowhere near the rest of the group and it's just the three of us in the cabin. We get ready for bed and as I'm starting to fall asleep I realize how eerily quiet it is. It is completely still outside. No wind. No rustling of trees etc. Well I eventually fall asleep. I am then awoken very suddenly by a scream inside the room. I sit up and ask my wife if she is okay. She responds yes and checks on our daughter. She is fine. It is now dead quiet again. No noise. The scream is gone. So in a panic I start walking around the room in the dark. Nothing in the room but us. Maybe it came from outside. So I peek out the window and out the front door. No movement nothing. But it's pitch black. I can't see anything. Time to buck up the courage. Grab my phone as a flashlight and go check outside. I stand there frozen for a minute and finally work myself up to grab my phone and go outside. I grab my phone, turn on the screen and see a Halloween update alert from the Simpsons mobile game. What I heard was Homer Simpson screaming from my phone because one of my buildings was done in the Simpsons game. Needless to say I uninstalled that game and haven't played it since. It took a good 2 hours for my wife and I to call back asleep. Story 6. In 2008 I was in the navy. We were 100 plus miles from any land. It was about 3-4 am. Off the coast of Peru. I was an electronics technician so I worked in radio with one other guy. A radio man. And we just sat up scanning on HF. UHF and VHF radios listening for drug runners. We intercepted a UHF signal that played a short piano preamble. Followed by a haunting. Computerized sounding woman's voice reading numbers. 11, 9, 4, 6 etc etc. This went on for about a minute. Then the preamble repeated followed by the same number sequence. Then it was gone. We recorded the transmission. 
wrote the numbers down, informed the captain and shortly a message was sent off to the area commander about the strange message. The reply we received was to disregard. Creeped me right the fuck out. I came to find out that this is a numbers station and while the phenomenon is not entirely understood, it's likely a method for getting a secure message or code to an intelligence agent in the field, over an insecure method of communication. Since the numbers could be attached to a one-time code, it's basically indecipherable. Story 7. This a kinda reverse story. I go camping now and then. And there's really nice lake out in the woods about 3 to 4 hours walk east of Oslo, Norway. It's a popularish camping spot. So, a friend and I are running out of firewood and it's pitch black. Bad planning plus whiskey drunk. So we grab our flashlights and head out to get some more bits and pieces to keep the fire going. Now, the lake is large and dotted around the lake we can see about 3-4 fires going. Other happy campers. One campsite in particular is rowdy. It's a good 200 meters across the lake but we can hear them chanting and singing football songs and generally be obnoxious. It's about 2am now and we want to sleep. I can do this weird thing with my voice. I let all the air out of my lungs and then breath in really fast and tighten my voice box. I can create this ungodly, banshee, inhuman scream that is loud and does not sound human. So I go for it. Within a second, the noise from other campsites stop and the fires are doused within 10 seconds. You could hear a pin drop all across the lake. Silence sheer terrified silence. Even my campmate was freaked out. He'd never heard me do it before. Story 8. Got stalked by a mountain lion on a hike. It was late at night. We're in a group of about 5. And didn't have enough flashlights to go around. So we gave one to the person in front, and one to me, in back. I felt like I was being watched, and so I real quick flashed the light around and turned my head, saw a pair of green eyes attached to a body slink back off the trail a little bit, our light wasn't powerful enough to get a super good bead on it, but every 30 seconds or so thereafter, I would turn around and flash the light up the trail, probably saw something about 75% of my turnarounds, it followed us for probably 1 stroke 2 hour, until we were 10 minutes from the cars. The people I was hiking with didn't notice, and mountain lions don't often jump large groups of adults, but I wasn't really about statistically, we're probably fine at that point. No one else noticed, and I didn't say a word while it was following us, really didn't want to run the risk of a panic. Story 9. I live on a compound by myself I know it sounds wakoe, but it's really my tiny home, workshop, and a couple of other buildings for food equipment storage and a guest room. One bad snowstorm knocked my area hook, so I decided to hunker in for the long haul. I spent almost two weeks without leaving. Three days in, I get woken up to a knock at the door. I get up to answer it and halfway there, I realize the only way this guy could knock on my door is if he broke the lock. So I grab my shotgun and ask him through the door who he is and what he wants. Guy says nothing and keeps banging. I go out the back door and sneak around front and I see a man who is on the ground covered in blood, and shouting, albeit quietly, for help. Turns out he was driving and crashed and dragged himself 5 miles down the road until he came to my place. By then he realized that I forgot to lock the bottom part of the gate and weaseled in. Luckily he survived. Story 10. Not exactly seclusion but lived alone in an old house and had a creepy stay. Again, the house was old. A huge house built in 1915 and converted into apartments for World War 1 soldiers before they went overseas. 
I rented one apartment about 1000 square feet by itself and the rest of the house was empty rooms and a giant staircase. As soon as I moved in I met the next door neighbor, Rebecca, who, about 30 seconds into the conversation asked me if I knew the house was haunted. I laughed it off but she insisted it wasn't safe, wasn't worried, moved in, cleaned out a lot of junk and fixed the place up as well as I could. Over the next few months Rebecca and I ran into each other here and there, and each time she added to the story. Apparently there was an old lady who lived in the apartment before me who never left, never opened the windows, and never cleaned. She died in the apartment and there was an estate sale to get rid of some of her stuff. Rebecca told me during the estate sale she had gone into the basement and regretted it. About a week later I decided to go check out the basement, I think partly to prove to myself I wasn't concerned. I was also curious. I'm not superstitious and I don't believe in ghosts, but the occult is interesting to me. As soon as I stepped in the basement I was creeped out. It smelled musty but not like I have ever smelled before. Along the steps there were burned down candles that made bluish grey wax puddles. The basement itself had two huge water heater tanks, also covered in wax, and an empty concrete floor behind the tanks that had nasty looking towels around and more candles. Bizarre but not haunted. At this point I've lived in the apartment by myself for about 3 months without any problem. My car got broken into one night but that wasn't surprising given the neighborhood. Nothing strange had happened until the night I checked the basement. At 4am I bolted awake because I heard something in my room. This was odd for me because I sleep like a dead man. Sat in bed for a minute, heard nothing and went back to sleep. Around 6am I had a night terror. Heard the noise again and woke up but this time had sleep paralysis. I saw a black figure walk in my room and stop just inside the doorway. At this point I think it's a robber and I start trying to ask what he wants but I can't speak or move. Nothing like this had ever happened to me before and I was terrified. After the longest 2-3 to three minutes of my life I willed myself out of sleep and the whole atmosphere changed. No one was there. Nothing was out of place. No locks were broken. Nothing. I quickly got ready and showed up at work 2 hours before it opened. Over the next few weeks I would hear the sound again here and there. It was a scratching and thumping sound. Always very early in the morning. As soon as I would wake up it would stop. Then one morning it was especially loud. Still dark outside. 5am. I heard it just behind the headboard of my bed. This time I made sure I was totally awake. I laid perfectly still and didn't even breathe and I heard it again now fully awake. There was definitely something in my room. After the sleep paralysis imaginary robber episode I had bought a kid's baseball bat and set it next to my bed for self defense. Can't afford a gun. I picked up the bat and slid out of bed. Every minute or so I would hear the rusting scratching thumping noise. It was in my closet. I stood outside the door and my heart was pounding at this point. All the stories of the place being haunted, the creepy basement, the sleep paralysis episode, the weird early morning noises, all of it had built up in my mind and led to this moment. I was about to do battle with some evil force. I threw the door open and swung into the darkness, hitting nothing. I beat my clothes like a madman but there was nothing in there. Then I heard a little scurry on the floor and saw something jump into one of my shoes. Upon closer inspection, it was a baby squirrel. I went outside later and found a hole in the roof. There was a family of squirrels living in my ceiling that was very active in the early morning, and one of the babies had somehow managed to find its way into my closet to scare the hell out of me. Not haunted, just squirrels. Story 11. 
Some friends and I would take my truck up in the mountains during the winter time and tow someone on a tube across the snow. We'd drop the tailgate in my old long bed for dinner few guys would sit in the back with one of those bazillion candlelight spotlights. When I was driving it'd be fun to make really wide turns in the dark so the person on the tube didn't have the luxury of headlights or taillights to somewhat illuminate their trail. The person in the bed of the truck with the spotlight would be funny and shine the light clear off to the side so it was pitch black if you were on the tube. One particular winter night a snowstorm was rolling and so we headed up to the usual spot and it was dark that night. A friend was on the tube. I was driving watching my mirrors as I'd swing him wide enough he had little light to see anything. The guy with the spotlight shined the light clear to the side of the truck and as I checked my mirror and I made eye contact with a guy dressed in jeans, a red plaid shirt, and a blaze orange ball cap. As we made eye contact I lost all control of my body for probably only 5 seconds. But it felt like an eternity. I stopped the truck and turned it around and asked the guys if they saw him. They all said no. So I flipped the truck around and turned on the high beams and they shined the spotlight all over. I got out and looked for footprints in the fresh snow and saw nothing. That night we went back home and I told my dad about the weird experience and he didn't think anything of it. A week later on the news the police reported finding a body in the area close to where we were and asked for any tips. My old man convinced me to call the police and tell them we were up in the area and saw that guy. I called in the police said they'd send an investigator over. He came over to the house. I recalled the same experience saying it happened 7 days earlier. As soon as I said that, the investigator asked me you are sure on your date which I was positive. And he showed me a picture of the body they found wearing the same red plaid shirt and blaze orange ball cap. He informed me the body had been on the mountain for at least one month so I must have just seen something. Turns out it was a man who suffered from some mental handicaps and committed suicide on the mountain. One month prior to when I saw him. Story 12. This story takes place in August of 2013. In the mountains of southern Oregon. I am a USAF security forces airman military policeman. My girlfriend was at work. And as a swelteringly hot day began to turn into thunderstorms, my buddy Nick another military cop, and I decided to go explore some back roads and get out of the heat in town. Southern Oregon is crisscrossed with logging roads, some actively used, and men are totally forgotten and grown over. Nick and I spent many of our days off starting on roads that we knew, finding roads we didn't know, driving for hours into the mountains, eventually navigating back to paved roads. On this particular day, with storm clouds building over the mountains, we set off on a road we had never been on, and began the drive into the mountains. After driving for around an hour, we hadn't seen nor heard any signs of other people in the woods. We rounded a bend in the thick fir woods, and emerged in a meadow that was totally surrounded by thick aspen groves. The meadow was perfectly flat, and eerily still. We both noticed the strange stillness almost immediately. No birds. Hardly any insect noise, no squirrels, and certainly no other people. On the far side of the meadow, right at the edge of the tree line, there was a picnic table. The table was very odd, however. It was painted a bright orange, and was much larger than a typical picnic table in a park. Remarking on this, Nick drove through the meadow to get a closer look. I remember being apprehensive as we approached. The whole scenario was exceptionally strange. The overall silence of the aspen grove was unsettling. Also, it was nearly impossible to see far into the trees as aspens grow extremely close together. When we parked by the table, 
I hopped out of the passenger seat of the truck to check it out. I'm not very tall, only about 5 feet 5 inches. Regardless, the table was ridiculously oversized and practically unusable. The seats were nearly at chest level, meaning I would have to climb up to even sit on them. As I was looking at the table, Nick called me over to the truck, and I noticed he was looking back into the Aspens. At first, I couldn't see what he was looking at, but then I noticed a splash of color that was completely out of place in the thick trees. A small one-man tent was set back in the trees, about 50 feet from the strange table. I had an initial feeling of dread, and felt certain that there was someone in the tent. And if we could see the tent, they could see us. There were no campgrounds in this area. No people, no main roads for miles. Surely someone camping so remotely would be, at the very least, a strange person. However, as we observed the tent, we didn't see any movement or hear any sounds coming from it. Nick suggested I call out, I didn't want to, but I did. Hey, anyone in there? I yelled. No reply. Feeling completely on edge, Nick and I thought about driving away and leaving this strange area. But we began to fear the worst. What if there was a body in the tent? What if somebody had gotten kidnapped? Foolish, I know, but we thought it, all the same. After some debate, we decided to have Nick turn the truck around to drive away from the camp. Should we need to leave in a hurry, he would be waiting behind the wheel. With my heart pounding, I started walking through the trees towards the tent. I was totally keyed up with my senses on full alert. When I reached the campsite, several things struck me as odd. Backpacks were scattered all over. No fire had been built. No wood collected. The tent. The tent was literally full of backpacks and women's clothing. Full of dread, I turned to leave and tell Nick what I had seen. As I left, I heard Nick start yelling. Let's go. Let's get the fuck out of here not knowing why he was yelling. I ran back to the truck. When I broke out of the trees, I saw the beat up old Ford Taurus on the road, blocking us from leaving the meadow. I immediately leapt into the passenger seat, and Nick floored the gas pedal. The car was occupied by two men. A third person was laying against the window in the back. As we drove across the meadow, the driver attempted to block us from the road, but Nick drove around them and accelerated the way we had come from. I looked back and saw the car attempting to turn around on the narrow road. Nick drove like a madman, and though I was honestly terrified that they would catch up, we hit the, the highway without seeing the car again. I still do not know if the person in the back was male or female. I called the state police, and they promised to send a trooper out to check out the scene. However, I received a call the next day from a trooper stating that the campsite, the backpacks, and the women's clothing was all gone, though he could tell people had been in the area. The strange table was still by the thick aspen grove. I have not returned to the area, and do not intend to- Story 13. This wasn't necessarily a lot of time, but I was in solitude, and it was at sea. When I was 23 I was at Dockland for a boat rental club. I bought myself a 27 foot Catalina sailboat and lived on it at the docks for about a year while I worked for the boat club. I would often get toasted on 101 proof peppermint schnapps and go joy sailing late at night on the Chesapeake Bay for kicks. My main sail tears, and my atomic 4 engine breaks down. I drift out of the channel, drop anchor, plug in my backup batteries for power for my anchor light, and bed down in my forward berth to wait until morning for one of my co-workers to tow me back in. I'm about a mile offshore, 
well out of the channel in about 60 feet of open water when I hear a rhythmic thudding on my hull beneath me. It was like someone was doing a semi-fast snare roll with closed fists against my hull. There was nothing in my head that I could figure could make that noise happen besides someone diving under by boat and literally beating on it. I went topside with my flashlight to investigate and couldn't see anything out of the ordinary, and the sound continued on and off for about 15 minutes then stopped. It was a calm night with nearly no wind or waves at this point, and I visually couldn't see what could have been making the noise. It came from midship so it couldn't be the motor being weird or something, and I checked my bilges for any anomalies and couldn't find any. It left me pretty shaken up because I just couldn't figure what could make that sound as loudly, and as precisely as it was. I could feel the bumps hitting against the fiberglass hull. I eventually got back to sleep and made it back to the docks next morning. I dove on my boat that day to check for anything amiss and didn't find anything off. Needless to say that was the last time I went out alone at night. For more please like, comment, share and rate for more.